We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is up, party people? It is a Friday afternoon, so that means only one thing. It's the Friday free-for-all mailbag, folks. Welcome into the big show. I'm excited. I know Brian's excited. I'm Vince. That's Brian. We're here. We're ready. The show is on you, folks. Like You bring the questions. We bring the answers. If today's show stinks. It's not our fault. I take no responsibility saying. whatsoever. That's all I'm saying. We answer no, what's brought to us. I know it's going to be a great show because our folks bring great questions all the time. We already have, I think, over 30 starred yep, we and do. ready to roll. So. Super Chats obviously get pushed to the top of the line. And yep. we've got one to start us off, Vince, from nice. Rob Osgood. What's up, Rob? Thank you so much for the Super Chat. Hey, guys, I'm pumped up after watching this week's shows. I know it's early, but can you describe the difference between this year and previous year's practice? Example, intensity, in shape, faster. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Vince, I think you did a little bit about this in last night's show, right? Yep. And what I would say is this team, this is what you and I were kind of chatting about today driving in the car back to the car, the car after practice. I haven't seen a team, like in recent years, Nuremberg just gets faster and faster kind of every mm-hmm. year. Sure. And I think it's especially true the last couple of years. This is the team, this team has the most athleticism position by position that I've seen since 2015. I mean, to, to me, I mean, you're talking about, you don't have the quarterback athleticism you had in 2015 with Malik and Deshaun. Uh, and Brandon Wimbush, but running back, you're every bit as athletic, more so. And that was a oh, yeah. really good running back From room. Top to bottom. I mean, 
Torin yeah. Folston, CJ Procise, Josh Adams as a freshman. Dexter was a freshman, right? I mean, that was a really good running back room. This one's five deep at that, and none of them are converted wide receivers. And anything you've right. you're so deep that you've moved Chris Tyree out to wide receiver. Right. Your receiver room, there's not a lot of burners at receiver, but they're very athletic, right? That there's you know, outside of Chris Tyree, there's there's you know Tobias Merriweather's well, not gonna go run a four three five at the combine tomorrow, you know, but he's smooth, he's athletic, Jay Thomas is athletic, the tight ends are athletic. You you've got your linebackers are athletic, upperclassmen, lower classmen, cornerback is really talented. Yeah. Safety's probably your least athletic group from a relative to the rest of top teams compared to where you are. Sure. But it's still, there's, I mean, Xavier Watts is one of the best pound for pound athletes they have on the football team, you know? And so I look at this team and I say, that's the biggest difference for me, Vince is the athleticism, but this team also in the trenches, especially on the offensive line is every bit as big as some of the teams that Notre Dame has had in recent years. And, and part of that's going to somewhat depend on who they end up starting a right guard. Sure just because that adds a little bit more beef to it. But like we were watching today and I know that Andrew Christophic is only listed at like, what, what's he, it's like three Oh six or something like that. Vince, I'm actually pulling the schedule up or the roster up now. Andrew Christophic is listed at, at three Oh five. He looked bigger than that. Yes. Agreed. He, he looks bigger than Jarrett Patterson did like thicker than Jarrett Patterson was. So your your two small guys, if if Christophic starts, are three oh six and three oh five, and <laughs> and one of them six five and over six five. You've got a three hundred ten pound right tackle, you've got a three hundred eleven pound left guard in Billy Shrouth, and you've got a three hundred twenty two pound left tackle, and then you've got Billy Shrouth. I mean, excuse me, um, Rocco Spindler trying to push his way into the into the rotation, if not the starting lineup at three fourteen, and then your freshman class is even bigger. I mean, we talked about this yesterday, Vince. If you started your freshman offensive lineman and tight end this year, you'd be 262 at tight end. The heaviest player they have at tight end is their freshman, and he's not in bad shape. We talked about this right. in the, the, the practice report that you and I did, recorded and published earlier. He's not fat. He's not out of shape. He's just big. So you'd have a 262-pound tight end, and then left to right, you'd be 330, 316, 270, 314, 326. That's your freshman. That's your freshman group. Your freshman defensive lineman, uh, you know, right now, if you if you look at it, so your Viper would be Bubakar Traore, who was lining up today at Viper, Viper 237. He needs to fill out, but he's super long. Your big end would be Brennan Vernon as a true freshman who's listed at 6'5", 259. And then your two interior guys would be Armel Mookum at 280 plus because he has gotten big. And then you have Devin Houston at 292. So, I mean, in your your heaviest, your second heaviest linebacker, I believe, if my recollection is correct, your second heaviest linebacker right now is Drake Bowen at 234. Hmm. Maris is the only guy that weighs more. I think Nolan Ziegler is like 233. But, you know, so, so you, you've got some beef. You've got length. You've got speed. Now, can they play football at an elite level? We don't know the answer to that yet. Right. We don't know what kind of football team they're going to be. But what we can observe in the first three days, this is a long, big, fast, athletic football team. Yeah. And now we just got to find yeah. that coach and play. That's that's yeah. the big question. Yeah, we we talked about it, you know, um, in our, our uh, practice recap earlier today. Just about how it's very clear that the staff is trying to get bigger. Like, I mean, you know, they're they're taking the guys in the recruiting classes. They're bigger. You know, you just you just outlined it. We, they're taking the guys that are currently on the roster and they're making them bigger. But they're not right. sacrificing athleticism right. and speed to do it, and that's key, right? right? And so th- this entire roster is just bigger than it's been. And to say that it's also more athletic and faster as a whole than it's been, it's also saying something. So, you know, this is a roster we haven't seen in a long time at Notre Dame top to bottom. Yeah. Athleticism wise. Again, I want everybody to be clear. We're not, we're not, Hey, call up the NCAA or ESPN or whoever's holding the current 2024 because they always do it like the next year, which I hate. It should be the the year of the title should be the year that you play the season, but whoever's got the national championship trophy, just go ahead and bring it on down to South Bend. That's, that's not what we're saying. 
Right. They yeah. haven't gone full nice. pads yet. Today was the first day they put on shoulder pads. We saw 25 minutes of them actually practicing. Right. We're simply observing the kind of athleticism and, and, and athletes and size that they have. And that's really the only – if your takeaways after three days are anything beyond that, you're you're reaching, in my yeah. opinion. Right. You're, you're reaching. How good of a football team will they be? Vince, way too early for right. that. They're going to have about Absolutely. 30 practices. They're, this is number three. They look great in shoulder yeah. pads and shorts. Yeah. So we'll see. I mean, right. one step at a time. One step at a time. And we're not saying they won't be great. We're just saying if we're being honest and objective, that's right. not a determination you can make before you see at least one full padded practice. Yeah, correct. I mean, that's the thing. No giant overreactions until you see them with at least full pads once. Right? That's that's well, and that's the thing. That's, that's the why reality. when people bring in, well, so and so is saying this and so and so is saying this about practice, it's like just relax. Hold on a second. You can't make any giant discussions or giant you know uh we really don't know what others are saying right Uh, and i I don't know i know that some people have said i've gotten calls from friends did you really say this and this i'm like no that's not even close to what i said right you know i mean so so, so you never really know but yes to your point vince there there should be no any sweeping opinion should be about that day's practice and that's fair hey they didn't play well today all right cool no big deal we can we can we can go there with you but yeah no no one's going to be looking at this team saying it's rare it's rare that you're going to look at a team after a couple days however i will say this i remember talking with loose emoji and he he was saying that uh, it was like after one of the early practices like first week of practice in 07 and a buddy of mine was reminding me of this but lou told me that he looked he was walking out of practice and looked at tim priester and was like this is going to be a long year. <laughs> and Tim was like, yep, this is going to yeah. be a long year. Uh, I remember Lou telling somebody, um, guy texted me and reminded me about that story yesterday because Lou Samoji told me about that. But, like, that's a very rare case. Yeah. And and sometimes when you look at a team and say, this team's going to be really good, it's usually confirming what you felt about that team going in. I felt the 2015 team was going to be really good. And so after a couple practices, you're like, yep, they're as athletic as we thought got to still learn that they can be a football team and we'll find out if they can it's going to be a it's going to be a fun journey man yes we're, it is know, really really fun journey so let's get to another super chat we got here vince we got one down here from uh raymond horton thank you raymond yeah i love the show two ogs in the house today go irish thank you raymond thanks raymond we're here ant vr thanks for the super chat any initial feedback on the deuce night visit yeah, so we're gonna put an intel, story. Yeah, we're gonna put an intel piece up here a little bit later. Ryan's gonna kind of share some of his thoughts. It went really well. Ryan has a story he put published last night at hoursbreakdown.com. Yep. It, it, it went really well. Initial feedback, loved it. Mom loved it. I, I'll just say this because I want to let Ryan put his intel piece, and, and I don't want to steal too much of his spotlight, his thunder on this one. Let's just say Notre Dame needed to move the needle yesterday. And they did. Now, is it a done deal? Absolutely not. Still a lot of work to be done. But they really needed to hit it out of the park yesterday and stone some of the momentum that Tennessee had. And and a little bit that Ole Miss had, although I still think Tennessee's the main player. Sure. And they did what they needed to do. They absolutely did what they needed to do. And it's not just Gino Gadouli. It's not just it's, – it's everybody hit it out of the park. So they, they, they were wise. And, look, I would have loved to have had him on campus on Sunday for the cookout, but that the reality is – it was it was not going to hurt you to have Deuce Knight all to, all to yourself, right? Right, exactly. just just Deuce Knight and coming to it was practice. Good to see him, you know, yeah, all that stuff. Get to talk Sam Hartman and watch practice. And as I told you yesterday, Vince, I don't, I might have run the ball five times uh, during practice the day that Deuce Knight was there. <laughs> I would have been lighting up. I'd have been lighting the air Seriously. up with that one. I'm being a bit hyperbolic, but, uh, but yeah, you get the point. But no, it went well, and we'll have a little bit of a further update on the message board a little later on so, so i gotta be so, a member boards.irishbreakdown.com right. right. baby that's right david Lowe, brian if a big service like on three two four seven rivals ever approached y'all and wanted y'all's content would y'all sign no 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 chance number one um our message board i mean our our main site like our irishbreakdown.com article site is currently affiliated with fan nation I love that relationship because it's a lot different than the relationships that, that 
that you have with the rivals or an on three or two, four, seven. And this isn't even being critical of them at the present moment. It's just the relationship is different. It's just, Hey, we're, we're, we're publishing stories as part of your network. They don't tell you what to write. They don't tell you, they just, we make our money, you make your money and we're a one big happy family. Right. And I like that, but it's just the website, the message board, the mail, like the, the video, the podcast, all that stuff is all ours. It's all independent. So when I'm talking on this show, I'm not speaking for anybody at fan nation or sports illustrated. This is, this is our thing. When we're on the message board, that's our thing. And if I were to sign with any of those three networks, they would want all, they'd want a piece of all that. Oh yeah. So just from a pure business standpoint, that wouldn't make any sense to do that because we built this thing right. up and I, I use we lightly it's like 90 no no it's not you know, lightly Vince. but like you played a big role in this even, Irish even breakdown is supporting from me the, from right. the ground up with right. the the video and the podcasts and you know all of that stuff and my wife give, created the message board yeah. I mean I, I paid right. her to do you know so, to, to, yeah. to give a, a chunk of that away at this point well it's still growing by the way yeah oh, would yeah. be yeah, just that's just not a smart business move. I mean, we're not very far away at all in memberships from where I, where I was when I left Blue and Gold Illustrated from the message board. We're not that far away at all, and we're not even three years old yet. Because I said yeah. I'm not going to raise rates until we are th- until we're in, hit the third the third year anniversary. But that's the other part too. We would have to raise rates a bunch because I'd have to raise I'd have to double the price of the message board and the memberships in order to get the same revenue split that I'm getting now. Right. Exactly. And I just, you know, I don't really want to do it that way. I like being my own boss. I like being able to yeah. say whatever the heck I want to say right? and not have to worry about somebody saying, well, you know, you know, we're partnered with so-and-so you can't say that, you know, I, and I, and I, like I said, I really like the relationship that I have with, with fan nation and, and arena group and Maven and all or whoever, all those, they're constantly changing their name, but the people <laughs> I talk to are the same. And so, right. and then of course I have my personal issues with those networks and kind of how they go about their business. So the only one that I would even consider for like a split second would be Rivals. I would not consider 247. I would not consider on three. I want no part of that. And, and 247 approached me when I was leaving the first place I was at before I went to BGI. And I said, appreciate you, but no, not, not, not going to happen. I just have a very big issue with the business models at those places. Sure. Rivals has a little bit more of a, you know, there's a little bit more neat. It's a little bit more journalistic, you know, because it's a lot of stuff's behind a paywall and it's not as clickbait oriented. In my opinion, I think Rivals is making hires where they're trying to be more fair and honest in their evaluations as opposed to the clickbaity stuff. So I give them credit for that. But I mean, I've been there, done that. I there there's merit to that for people. But if we were going to do that, we'd have done that early. Now that we've built this thing up, why would we want to let somebody else reap the rewards from it? And that's the point that you made, Vince. And that's the thing also is like, don't get it wrong. Like people have inquired about being a part of the business and people, somebody in the chat said something about if you get the Brian Kelly offer, you know, that like a big money offer, like there's been big money offers. you know some of the offers that I had thrown. That's what I'm way. saying. I didn't want to go this too far money. into it, but like it's yeah. not about money. Is the point this I'm making? This isn't about money. This yeah, is exactly. about I want to do this a certain way, right? Succeed or fail, I want to do it a certain way. I want to do it my way. I want to be able to say this is our thing, right? right. It's like you know, La Cosa Nostra. What does that mean? It's this this thing of ours, mm-hmm. right? That that's kind of what that is for us. You know what I mean? It's this is our thing and. Uh, with all due respect to everybody else, they can, they can do their business models however they want. I just am a believer that the way that we're doing it is the right way. We have a, we have some pay stuff we have, we have some free stuff we have, but we can say whatever we want. And I don't have to worry about getting the phone calls from the boss or the whoever and whoever saying, well, you know, you can't really talk about that. Yeah, I can. You know what I mean? Like, yes, I can. I can talk about whatever I want. This is my site. And so, yeah, I I enjoy it. And I don't, I like the fact that I don't really have a boss my wife, you know, and, and God, but other than that, I don't really have a boss. The relationship that I have with, with fan nation is completely different than the partnerships that you have when you're connected with the others, where you are, you're a subsidiary. We're, we're more of a partnership. Right. And, and we do the content side. They do the advertising, the, 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 all the, those type of things. They don't deal with 
all that other stuff. They're, it, it's a, it's a great partnership. And so my goal is to always remain independent and that's basically what we are right now. And I like that. And mm-hmm. I'm always going to be that. And we're, we're doing okay. And if, and if this business model doesn't work, then it's time for me to find something else to do. I mean, you adjust, yeah. I mean, you, you adjust, you don't just throw in the towel, you know? Yeah. So thank you for that's that good question. Stuff. No, yeah. it's good stuff. I'm sure good people to... want to know why we're not affiliated. Yeah, I mean, I with doubt David is companies. well, and I think there's a, so there's a, I, I will say this, there has been a, say a fear. I've had people reach out saying, you know, Hey, I hope you never go to, to there. I hope you never do this. I hope you never do that. Cause here's, here's the other drawback. If I was partner, like, like people, okay. I'll use Mike Singer as an example. Okay. People are always telling me like, yeah, we were hammering singer in the chat about the rankings for on three. Well, Mike Singer doesn't have anything to do with the rankings for on three. So, but he has to answer for it because he's part of this bigger thing. If you're at rivals, you know, Tyler James has to answer for whatever rankings rivals does. You know, if if a crazy ranking comes out, Tom Loy has to answer for whatever the the ranking are at 247. And then he has to, you know, play the company line and defend them, which he should because they're partners. Where with me, it's like, I can say whatever the heck I want. Because the only people whose rankings I care about are mine. Mm-hmm. And I'll easily answer for those because I can tell you why I have the rankings I have. And and so there's that unfortunateness. So some some reporter for an Oklahoma site says something really stupid. And then Tom or Mike or Tyler or Eric or Tim or somebody has to kind of, well, because you're considered all part of the same family. Sure. That's not the way that it is here. So I don't have to answer for something that somebody else says because we're basically all kind of independent sites essentially. And there's no recruiting network affiliated with right. fan nation SI anymore. And so that's the other benefit to it as well is I don't have to deal with those questions that those guys have to deal with constantly about things that they have no say in at all. I mean, so it's like, it's kind of unfair to be completely honest with you. Right. And what do you expect them to say? Yeah. The company that writes my checks has really stupid rankings. Like what do you expect them to say? <laughs> right, exactly. You know, like I, I enjoy employment. So I'm going to say what I want to say. Well, my whole thing was I used to get in trouble at rivals all the time for criticizing their rankings all the time, whether with them or with my boss. So I finally said, you know what? I want to do my own thing so I can say whatever I want and not have to worry about any, anyone, but the people that are listening to care, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And I just like doing it that way. And I just don't have, there's a lot of headaches that the guys that are in the partners with the other sites have to deal with that. I don't have to worry about how much they're going to, who, how many people they're going to send to a game. Well, I'm going to send as many as I can afford. You know, I mean, that's the, I mean, that's the reality of it. And I can send Vince to cover the Fiesta Bowl so I can go sit in the stands with my dad and my nephew. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, right. Those are good things to have. I'm sure Vince, you didn't have a problem with that decision. I was wasn't so. upset about it. Okay. No, it was good. <laughs> it was good. I didn't I didn't think you'd have a problem with it. So all right, let's, let's rock and roll. <laughs> we Lisa was on vibrate. We're yeah, I know, here. right? This time. Let me make sure mine's my ringer's off because that's happened a time or two. Today, actually. But thanks for that, David. Thanks for that question, David. Yeah. I'm glad I was able to address because I know you're not the only person that, that feels that. But yeah, we it's good to get that info out. We there. have no intention of going anywhere. Nor yeah. do I think any of them would want to sign us because they, well, they got to know who I am and and, well, that's, and what yeah, my – I would if I was them, I would not be interested in me because of my personality. It's like, no, it's all right. We, we want to have somebody that we can kind of get in line with what we're trying to do, and that what, that's not me. And I'm, I'm kind of – I kind of like that. I'm okay with that, to be honest. Yep, with you, that's I'm right. Not lie to you. Nothing I'm wrong lie with you. that. Stevie Wonder wants to know who is the fastest slash quickest player with regard to punt return duties. Micah, Micah Bell. Yeah, I mean, right. I would imagine so. Yeah, he's the most explosive kid that they have. That's whether he's the best or not. And that Remains means to be the next seen. question from Stevie yeah. Wonder. Uh, that. That you know, there may come a time for that. He's not right this not not today, but he may end up being. And continuing from the last question, who would you like to see return punts? The guy that does the best combination of fielding it and and maximizing uh, yards that are there post catch. Yeah, I, I mean, I like I could tell you. Well, I think this player would be great at it, or that player could be great at it. I honestly don't, but I don't care. I mean, if it's Matt Salerno. 
and and it's because Matt they think Matt Salerno gives them the best chance of feeling the punt number. That's the by far the most important which thing for why a he was there to do, which is why he Feeled was there. The punt, get the ball. But then also, if they feel he's the guy that gives them the best chance to take advantage of opportunities that are there, then I, whatever. I don't care. I may have a difference of opinion if he's that guy, and I would voice that if it came to the to that case. But sure, it's like, well, yeah, I think. I mean, if I had to predict today, I'd, I'd kind of think Jaden Greathouse is a very intriguing option there. Am I rooting for that to happen? Not really. I mean, I just want a guy back there that if the other team makes a mistake, he can make him pay for it. That's my big thing. Put a guy yeah. back there that, that, that if they make a mistake, he can make him pay for it. I, I want a guy that can be a home run hitter, punt returner, kick returner, you know, where if it's there, and it may only happen once or twice a year, but when it's there, that guy is going to make him pay for it. And that's yeah. kind of really what I want to have. And back. and the guys, look, we've seen one round of punt returning, and it wasn't even really a legit return situation. They were really just catching the ball with nobody around them. The guys that they had back there are all legit candidates. I mean, they're all explosive with the football in their hands. They've all they all can, you know, are fast and athletic. So I mean, of the group that was back there, I mean, okay, I could rank them, I suppose, in my head off of what I think I know. But at the end of the day, I need to see them do some stuff before I really, you know, attach myself to a dog in the fight. You know what I mean? And so I, I like all the options that they had. I, I'll be honest with you. I, I was pretty excited with the options that are back there right now. Vince, I'm going to ask the next question because I okay. want to get your opinion first. All right. So this is from ND Estimate Trucking. He goes, he, he goes, mailbag over under. And I'll read them all, and then we'll go one at a time. Okay. And then explain to me why you see it that way or how you see it finishing. Over under for Chris Tyree, 800 yards of total offense. So we're just going to go rushing and receiving, seven touchdowns. Okay. Because if it's it's also returns, he's easily going to – he's already done that twice. I was going to say, if it's returns, it's way over. He's he's already been over twice already. Okay. So we're just going to go offense. Okay. So rushing, receiving. Maris Luafau, five sacks, and then Benjamin Morrison and Xavier Watts combine for at least eight interceptions. So let's Oof. take those one at a time, Vince. Let's start with Chris Tyree, rushing, receiving, 800 yards of total offense, and seven touchdowns. So I think he's going to be in the five to 600 range in receiving at the end of the year. And I think, I don't know that he's going to have 200 yards of rushing. Keep in mind, Braden Lindsay had over 260 yards on like 10 carries in 2019. Okay. Because you're going to have like a 50 a yard bit. touchdown, a seven, you yeah. know what I mean? Like that's kind of, a, if, if he's doing it, it's most likely designed. Right. To get and I know players. they want to get him the football. I mean, that's been evident just watching practice, right? I mean, I'm not giving anything away there. And so, you know what? 800 yards would be a good year. I mean, that would be a really, really good year. That would make me very excited about who Chris Tyree is. And I'm excited about who he is, and I like what I've seen so far. So I'll take the over. I'll be Mr. Positive. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna take the over as well, Vince, because I don't I don't think it's a really crazy number to look at. I mean, when I look at Chris Tyree last season as the number three running back, you know, Chris Tyree had 444 rushing yards and 138 receiving yards. I mean, he had what's that, 582 yards, and he was the number three running back. Right. I mean, so, you know, the year before he was at 480 because he and he hardly played. You know, he was banged up all year. He didn't play a whole lot. And then, you know, in 2020, he was at 561 as the backup running back. So, right. He's now a starter. I don't think that's a giant leap, in my opinion, to get him to 800 yards. It would be a really good season. If Chris Tyree's at like 500 re- receiving yards and, 300 rushing yards, that's a dynamic weapon. And seven seven touchdowns, sure. that's a dynamic weapon because sure. he's going to always be a complimentary player. He's not going to be a guy that goes out every week and has nine catches for 118 yards and 180 yards or 12 right. catches. He's going to get some volume because he's going to get the quick stuff. But, you know, he's a guy that you want to touch it four or five times and have like he did in the bowl game in 2021 is, you know, go out there and, he doesn't get a whole lot of rushing yards that game, but he catches five passes out of the backfield for over 100 yards. I mean, he, he's a guy that you get him in space, he's going to do something with it. So I don't think 800 yards in a thir- minimum 13-game season would be unreasonable. I would even say that's that's doable production for him just in the regular season. But it would be a very good season. Yes, like, it would. It would be a very good season for what I expect his role right. to be this year. And if anything beyond that, that's an impact football player, man. Really yeah. impact football player. 
No doubt. Let's go Maris Lulafau with five sacks, Vince. I'm going under on that one. I have a hard time seeing that one happen. That would be if Maris really hit his ceiling and had, I mean, was just playing as well as we think he can play. Then you're looking at five sacks. I am not convinced that that's the case yet. I mean, I I need to see some padded action. Um, I need to see some 11 on 11 at some point. I just don't see five sacks coming his way. So I'm taking the under on that one. Vince, if he's a really good nickel pass rusher, five sacks for a linebacker is a lot. For how for a, a guy that'll be coming from the second level almost all the time, that's a lot of sacks. That'd be a heck of a year. Yeah. So I'm I'm going to take the under as well. Let's go Benjamin Morrison and Xavier Watts combined for eight interceptions. I mean, how many did Morrison have last year? Six? Yeah, okay. So we're, we're saying that that Watts is going to have two? I mean, first of all, Morrison having six again I think is going to be very difficult because I just don't know how much they're going to be throwing his direction. Now, if Cam Hart steps up like I think he can, then they're not going to have a choice. They're going to have to go his direction, right? And, and we've seen – already in practice Morrison being sticky around the ball and 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 making plays I'm gonna take I'm gonna take the over on this I'm gonna take the over I think that Watts is gonna be a bigger part he'll he'll give more to the equation than Morrison having six you know what I mean I think you know they could each have four they could you know could be five four kind of a situation you know that kind of a thing I I think Xavier Watts is gonna be a ball hawk this year I think he's going to come down with a good number of INTs. I don't know if Morrison hits six again, but I think Watts does his part to get this number to eight. So I'll, I'll take the over. So I, I'm putting tea in my, I'm putting honey in my tea. Tea in your I'm honey. Like, I'm really swishing the spoon around and making a lot of noise. I'm like, oh, I, I hope I muted myself. You did. You're okay, good. Okay. I looked down. I was like, okay, yeah, I'm muted. <laughs> You're good. <laughs> I, I'm going I'm to take under on that, Vince, just because okay. I have a feeling teams are going to avoid them a little bit more, especially Xavier Watts. I think Xavier's going to get like two picks in the first five games, and they're like, I don't throw that game mm-hmm. anymore. Like, what are we thinking? <laughs> right. Here's here's the thing that, that makes me think I could be wrong on that, though. And, and that is, is the way that Notre Dame plays, it's a little harder to avoid Benjamin Morrison because he's a boundary receiver. Not all teams, but a lot of teams put their volume pass catchers into the boundary. Sure. And so – if you're going to avoid your volume pass catchers, then that means you're really going outside of what you do offensively. And I don't know that that's necessarily something that teams are going to want to do, especially the good teams. Good teams are going to be less afraid to challenge him. Other teams are going to try to avoid him. USC avoided him last year. I mean, they, sure. they completely went away from him like the entire game. I think he maybe had like one or two targets the whole game, and they were on throws that were like right in front of him. Like playing some some off stuff. I'm actually gonna I'm actually gonna look that up here real quick, Vince. But I just remember them avoiding him. South Carolina waited till like late second quarter to go at him, and he picked them off, and then they didn't go back at him again. Right. And so you're gonna see some of that, but those games were also played with no Cam Hart. Right. And you know that that's yeah. USC went at him once in that game, and he broke it up. According to Pro Football Focus, he was targeted once against USC, and was ended up with a breakup. So, you know, you're right. you're not going to you're just not going to go at him a whole lot. USC South Carolina went at him four times, completed 3 for 19 yards. Again, they were like little hitches against off coverage and things right. like that. It wasn't like they they weren't getting a whole lot on him in that game. So, you're going to see a lot of that. But if Cam like you said if Cam Hart's balling out and and you're also playing a team where their best receivers kind of their boundary guy, then you're going to target Benjamin Morrison. But is it going to be enough for him to get four and Xavier to get four? That's going to be a lot. It would require Xavier to have a lot. It would require like yes. five from Xavier yep. to get there. I agree. I don't see a scenario where Benjamin gets five-plus interceptions again unless he's just either unreal good just or everywhere. teams are just stupid. Yeah. You know, like why do you why do you keep throwing at that guy? You know, like, like you look at Julian Love, his first year – as a full-time starter in 2017, he wasn't an All-American that year, but his numbers that year were insane. I think he like had first or tied for first or second all-time at Notre Dame and passes defense. He had 23 that season. He had 20 pass breakups and he had three interceptions. Well, you know, then you look at him the next year and his numbers went down and only had one interception and 16 pass breakups. Well, did Julian Love play worse 
point and play worse. They just didn't throw at him. They stopped throwing at him that way. And, and so the production went down. So I think that's going to kind of be what happens with Benjamin Morrison. But I could also see, here's the thing, if Cam plays well and Xavier's playing well, eventually you're like, okay, we can only avoid so many guys right. in the second we just gotta you just gotta go now. Right. You just gotta and the play. good teams like Ohio State, Ohio State's not avoiding they're not they're not gonna no. avoid anyone. Nope. Cause they're gonna say, Well, yeah, Benjamin Morrison and Cam Hart are really good, but so's a Mecca, so's Marvin Harrison, so's right Cardinal exactly. Tate, so's Julian Fleming, so's Brandon Ennis and all those other guys. They're not gonna be afraid of anybody. You so then you're gonna so you might get some opportunities those games, but there's not gonna be a lot of games where you're going to be able to teams can completely avoid all three of those guys. It's just going to be tough. So I could see it being a situation where Benjamin does it, but yeah, I don't, I, I, I mean, Mer, Xavier does it. I just don't know if Benjamin's going to be able to get that many opportunities. I hope he does. I hope teams keep throwing at him. I, I do It'd be good. I don't think they're going to have a choice. Name. I think they're going to have to put it all over just because yeah. I think you're going to have, you're going to so. have some lockdown action at both corners. Yeah. I just, I feel like that's going to be the case. And they're just going to be like, well, more consistent. That's the big thing, but right. If, Absolutely. If, but here's the thing. If you're, if you're locked down at corner, that means your safeties are going to get thrown at a lot more. And that's, that's pretty true. much what happened last year. If you look at the Notre Dame defense, their, their corners were not targeted that much. You know, Benjamin Morrison was targeted 51 times, Cam Hart 44 times. Tariq Bracey was the most targeted guy they had. They went after him in the slot, but then you had your safeties got targeted a lot. And here's what's funny is Clarence Lewis got targeted only five more time, five less times than, than Cam Hart, despite the fact he played, see, 184 fewer snaps and 106 fewer pass snaps because the reality is, is when he was in the game, the other team said, we're going at six because five's not in the game or 20's not in the game. Right. That's going to be the thing is you're going to see the backup guys get targeted a lot when they're in the game, but the, the teams had success against linebackers and safeties. I mean, JD Bertrand gave up 87% completions. Now some of those, some of the way pro football football focus does it is kind of like dumb. Like a guy runs a slide route, catches it for two yards. I mean, he gave up 20 completions last year, but they were only for 133 or 175 yards. So it's 8.8 per attempt. Ramon Henderson gave up 81, DJ Brown 68.2, Jade Mickey 77.8, Jack Kaiser 88.2. So Brandon Joseph 64.1, Maris 9 of 16, 56.3. So they were just going after everybody else and just said, we're going to avoid the two outside guys as much as we can because they were, they were combined sub 500, sub 50%. Completion right. percentage. So and that's going to be the safeties like, and linebackers are going to have to step up and make more plays sure. too if you want to force them to go back out to the corners. And that's what I'm looking forward to seeing. This next one, Vince, is is actually about Mississippi. He corrected later. It's like his his comment is actually Mississippi State. Oh, okay, gotcha. So Mississippi State has a projected starting lineup of up to 19 seniors and three juniors on offense and defense. With so many younger kids. Getting earlier playing time is this as important as it was twenty years ago? I, I still think having veterans on your football team is important. I don't think you need to dominate. Like we talk a lot about how young Clemson was in twenty eighteen at the skill positions, and they were very young. I mean, Trevor Lawrence, your quarterback, was a freshman. T. Higgins was a sophomore. Travis Etienne was a sophomore. Um, your your uh, Justin Ross was a freshman, but you had fifth year senior Hunter Renfro, and when you look at their offensive line, their offensive line was pretty veteran too. You know, you had a, a junior at tackle and and Tremaine Ankrum. Uh, I think Mitch Hyatt by then was a junior senior. Yeah, he was a senior by then. You had a pretty veteran group up front, and then defensively they were very experienced. Cullen Farrell was a redshirt junior. Christian Wilkins was a fifth-year senior. Austin Bryant, I believe, was a fifth-year senior. Uh, Isaiah Simmons was a sophomore. He was young. Dexter Williams was a true junior. Trey Lamar was a true junior. Kendall Joseph was a senior. Trayvon Mullen was a junior. Um, A.J. Terrell was a junior. Uh, Albert Huggins was a junior. You had a very experienced team in a lot of other places. They weren't freshmen and sophomores everywhere. They were freshmen and sophomores at some glory positions. And then their freshmen and sophomores were really good. You want to be playing young guys. Like when you look at who Clemson played that year that were freshmen or sophomores, it was Xavier Thomas, who this was before all the injuries, right? Who was a elite top 10 caliber player, had 10 and a half tackles for loss that year. 
It was true sophomore Isaiah Simmons, who was a freak. You talk about Trevor Lawrence, who's the number one overall draft pick. You talk about T. Higgins, who's a starting receiver in the NFL, was an outstanding big-time player. You talk about Justin Ross, who would have been a first-round pick if not for the injuries. And you talk about Travis Etienne, who was also a first-round draft pick. So when Clemson played young guys in 2018, and there were a lot, they were elite. Right, they were legit. And that's where you want to be is you're playing young guys because they're just that flipping good, which is kind of what we expect to happen. I mean, if they're playing Jadarian Price and Jeremiah Love this year, it's because they're too good not to play. They don't have to play them. They're not going to play any freshman receiver because they have receivers because they have to. If Charles Jagasaw or Sam Pendleton play this year on the offensive line, it's most likely going to be because they're just that good. There's nowhere that I can think of on this team where you're going to have to have a freshman in your two deep because of just numbers. Nowhere. Correct. Nowhere. Yep. And that's a really great play. Well, no, because they don't have a long snapper. But even then, Reno's a redshirt freshman. Yeah. That little number 51, he's right. So, they, you know, Andrew Cross doesn't have to even be in the too deep as a snapper. I mean, it's just, that's a great place to be. So any young guys that do play are going to be really good. I mean, the, only, are, the only place where – sophomores that have to play. The only year. place where that is the case, where they have to play, but they would have earned it regardless, I'm sorry, is wide receiver. Not really. Well, because a true freshman is going to have – I mean, they're. I mean, I guess you could go – You have five guys. I mean, you have, you have Jaden Thomas – yeah, you have Tobias Merriweather, you have Chris Tyree, you have Deion Colsey, and you have Matt Salerno. So you have five guys. You could easily go into a, a game with those five and be like, "That's a pretty good receiving core." Like, because now Salerno last year was like your three, sometimes your two. Right. You, you you don't get much deeper than five guys. Now, if you're going to talk about two deep vents from a traditional, we have three receivers. So you got to have six ha- kids there. Yes, right. you're correct. But you don't have to play that guy. Right. So, okay. Fair enough. You're, you're technically correct, Vince, that you're going to need a freshman in your two deep at receiver to get right. to six unless you want to – On paper. Your depth chart to have a, you know, 12 personnel. Okay, fine. I mean, that's right. rigging the system a little bit. Sure. But as far as practically speaking, do you have to play a freshman receiver? No, you don't. You're an injury away from that. Just like at safety, you're an injury away from having to play a freshman in your two deep. Right. There are positions where you're an injury away from that, but you, you, you're not. But now, the other part of it too, Vince, is – you do have a lot of positions where you need sophomores in your two deep. Not a lot where you need sophomores to start. Tobias Merriweather doesn't need to start. He's just going to. Right. I mean, if Tobias Merriweather had a bad offseason, you start Jaden Thomas, Deion Colsey, Chris Tyree, and you, you, you've got th- three pretty highly ranked kids in there. Deion Colsey was ranked as a top 100 guy by one service. Jaden Thomas was a four star recruit. Chris Tyree was a top 100 recruit. Uh, you're, you're, you're nothing to sneeze at. Deion or Tobias is going to start because he's just that good. Yeah, Holden Stakes may end up starting this year. It's not because they need him to. Because he's just because he's that good. But right. they do kind of need a sophomore in starting lineup. I mean, unless you're just going to arbitrarily put Kevin Bauman there. Offensive line, you need some young guys. I mean, you're going to have some sophomores. Billy Shrouth's a young guy. But defensively, I can't think of a single position where a sophomore has to be in the two deep outside of Viper. Okay. I, big end, you've got two vets. Nose and, and, and three technique, you got two vets. Linebacker, that's the other one. Linebacker. You, you're going to need a younger guy to be in your 2D there. That's it. Everywhere else, you've got plenty of veterans at corner. You don't have to play Benjamin Morrison, Jade Mickey, because you've got Cam Hart. You've got Thomas Harper in the nickel. You've got Clarence Lewis. You've got Chance Tucker, and you've got Ryan Barnes. The reason Bri- Benjamin Morrison and Jade Mickey are in the 2D is because they're that good. Right. They've earned that spot. I mean, again, Benjamin Morrison as a freshman beat out a junior who started for Notre Dame as a freshman in the college football playoff. So he played because he was that good, not because you had to play him. Right. I think it's a good place for Notre Dame to be. Absolutely. That's where we've wanted them to be for a long time. Whereas if you're going to play these younger guys that they force themselves onto the field, not, yeah. not you're forced to play them because you don't have the depth. Like this is a place that Notre Dame we've wanted them to be for a while, but they haven't really gotten there across the board until really now. And it, it's a it's it, you're right. It is a very good place to be. Yeah. Speaking of uh, freshman receivers, we had a comment from David Lowe says I have a feeling Jaden Greathouse is going to be a major impact player, and wasn't he like the 60th ranked 60th ranked guy out of Texas? I don't know who had him that low. I'm going to look it out up real quick, but I have a different point to make that I want to make to uh, old David there. 
247 had him as the number 54 player in Texas. Close. On three, had him at 30. ESPN and rivals him at number 21. My my response to you, David, would be, this is why I tell you all the time mm-hmm. to not be obs- – and Ryan responded to him in the chat saying the same thing, is, is why – your of your opinion of a player should not be based on stars, good or bad. And and my thing is is it's okay to look at stars. I have a star ranking for what we do, but your your it has to be based on your what you see on film and and things like that. Yeah. That's what it needs to be based on. And um, that's just an, another example. I mean, look, some of Notre Dame's best players this year, really low ranked guys. Right, so preseason All American, you got Joe Walt and Benjamin Morrison. Right, those are two preseason All Americans that Notre Dame has. I think, I think on three, or excuse me, um, two four seven jumped him into the top two hundred like late. They had him as overall, he was a one thirty nine for on three. That was like they got in late. You know what I mean? He was a three star by ESPN, three star by Rivals. He was ranked the number 364 player in the country on the composite list or the consensus list by on three. He was 400 on the ESPN or the 247 composite list. Benjamin Morrison was not ranked as a top 300 player by anyone on three. And the geniuses there had him as a three-star recruit Jeez. in the number 45 corner in the country. ESPN has the number 43 corner in the country. 247 has the number 37 player in the country. And rivals has him as the number 30 player in the country. I've had that happen. <laughs> so uh, again, you need more five stars. Oh, you do. You sure. need five star college football players. You Bama doesn't win because they got five star recruits. They win because those recruits are five star college players. Sure. Or at least really high four star college players. I don't care what a guy, how a guy got there. I care that a guy is a star. That's what I care about. They need more star players. That is a no-brainer. My argument just continues to be, I don't think those guys have to necessarily always be five-star recruits coming out of high right. school. I mean, the starting the starting five, or the starting 11 for Notre Dame basketball, the starting 11 for Notre Dame on both sides of the ball in the last 15 years, if you just took a starting lineup of guys not ranked in anyone's top 250, that's a really impressive starting lineup, if you think about it. Or it's like the top two consensus top two fifty or whatever. However you want to do, it. you can make it. I could make that list however I wanted to do it. And the reality is, is I'm going to have a pretty darn good football team that I'm going to be putting on the field. You know, and I mean, it's going to include Everett Golson. If I'm going to say top two hundred, it's going to include Tyler Eifert. It's going to include Joe Walt. It's going to include Benjamin Morrison. It's going to include Jeremiah Wusukoromoa. It's I mean, it, it's a long list of do. It's going to include uh, some if I and if I wanted to go non top hundred guys and really have some fun with it, my starting tackles are what Ronnie Stanley and Mike McGlinchey. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, like I could put a really impressive group of players. And if I were to put, you know, some when you start thinking of some guys that were highly ranked that ended up being busts, you're like, yeah, boy. Thought they were going to be pretty good. The key is you need more star players in college, Vince, sure. wherever they come from. And and it, it also plays into – you also have to understand what two, those ranking services are doing. They're, they have this weird NFL projection thing. Well, okay, I guess I can understand why Jaden Greathouse isn't going to get the same NFL projection from you because he's not a burner. But I don't care. I care that he's a great college player. And that's all that matters to me, Vince. People obsess over speed too much. You need speed. Speed's important. Sure. But not every guy has to be fast to be great. And that's kind of my point and where I where I push back a little bit on that. So, yeah. Here's one from Caleb Collins. Start bench cut. Oh, this is this is just this is perfect for you. Jalen Smith, Harold Perkins, Reuben Foster. Okay, let me just begin by expressing how much I dislike these these things because Pro exactly. Football Focus does it all the time. Last I checked, you can start three linebackers. So I'm not <laughs> starting. Start I'm not taking, so here's my thing. Who are my other two linebackers that I have to cut or bench one of these guys? First of all, my list would be if I had to rank them one to three, this is how I'd rank them one to three. Jalen Smith, Harold Perkins, Ruben Foster. That's how I'd rank them. And then you can do the start bench cut thing however you want to do it. 
but that's how I would do it. That's my that's my start bench cut right there, or my one, two, three, however you want to do it. It's but Jalen's at the top of that list. Harold Perkins has a chance to be there someday, but right now he's he's not. He's a freshman. Yeah, Jalen Jalen Smith had a has a Buckus Award, and he even won a Buckus Award with a terrible linebacker right. coach slash defensive coordinator. True. So yeah. From Stone Eater, we'll go Stone Eater. When was the last time there was a position group battle on Notre Dame's schedule as good as Ohio State's wide receivers versus Notre Dame's corners? Looks like it could be this year. Yeah, 2020 Notre Dame O-line versus Bama D-line was pretty good. Like that was two really, really good units. Don't know if it was as good as this one. 2017 Notre Dame O-line Georgia front seven was probably the closest we've seen to that okay. in my opinion Vince you could maybe say Ohio State O-line versus or D-line versus Notre Dame O-line last year but Notre Dame O-line in game one was not the well, they didn't have Patterson and it was, it was game one under Harry yeah. you're still working out the Jeff Quinn stuff you didn't have right the Patterson one's a great point you play them in November. I'm not saying Notre Dame would have won. I'm just saying the Notre Dame offensive line would have looked much better against USC in October, November than it, they did in the opener. In sure. My opinion. So, yeah, it. Uh, that's yeah, kind of where I'm at. This this matchup is going to be it's going to be great. A lot of fun. This is where this is where it's just too darn bad that fans don't have an all 22 because there's going to be some battles that you're not going to see on TV. I mean, and and it's going to be a shame because uh, it's going to be very, very interesting to watch. That's for sure. I still don't understand what the obsession that fans have of all 22. I still don't understand why TV doesn't do more of that. Even if it's like for your night, your, your big night game or something, or take one of your, your five ESPN channels, the ESPN news feed, and have right. whatever your noon big game is, whatever your three thirty big have game, an alternate. Whatever your night, have the alternate view where you're showing the all twenty two. Like they've they've done that in the past for like playoff they, games, and they do it, yeah, like for national yeah. championship games, stuff like that. Yeah. yeah, I would do something like that. People would love that. Oh my god, absolutely love that. Yeah. I know that's what I'd be. I'd be DVR in that one every every time. Absolutely, every time. So yeah, that'd be a lot of fun. Stevie Wonder, Notre Dame has three position groups that should be very, very good, if not elite. Corner, running back, O-line. When was the last time Notre Dame had something similar? See, 2022, I would say no. 2021, no. 2020, the O-line was elite. I, I don't know that anything else on that team was elite. 2018, I would argue you had an elite receiving core in 2018, in my opinion. I think Boyle, Boyle, at least by the second half of the year, it was. Once Ian Book got implemented in the starting lineup, that receiving core was really good. And I would say 2018 linebacking core was elite. That that Tavon Coney, Drew Tranquil combo was outstanding. And then 2018, the secondary just as a whole was elite. So I'd say Closest we've seen to that for Notre Dame is 2018. And that's even questionable because I think you could debate. You could push back on me saying the receiving core was elite. You could push back on that. And I would say, yeah, it's a fair pushback. I just say, when you look at their numbers once Ian Book got in the starting lineup, they were a lot different and a lot more impressive that year. I mean, so what would Miles Boykin's numbers have looked like if, if Ian Book was the quarterback all year? That's a very fair question. You know, he had 59, he had 59 catches for 872 yards, but you know, he had one catch for 28 yards against Michigan, one catch for 14 yards against Vandy, one catch for six yards against Wake, which was Ian's first game, but he didn't really connect with him. He had six catches for 119 yards against Ball State, but he wasn't on the same plane. So first four games, he had three games with one catch. The rest of the year, his lowest catch total was against USC at three for 79. So uh, he he was he was much more productive that year and and would have obviously been even more so if if Ian Book was started the whole the whole year at that point in time. So you, you could debate that being elite beyond before that the the last time you'd have to go back to 2015. To me, 2015 is the last time Notre Dame had elite groups in my opinion. And even then, I don't know that there was a lot of elite groups outside. You you had an elite 
offensive line. Clearly. Sure. You had an elite receiver. You had a big time running back. You had an elite linebacker. You had a pretty good talent at corner. Was it elite? I don't know. It was more of a, an elite unit and then elite players, individual elite players. I don't know that sure. it was an elite unit. And that's part of what I love about this group is the depth of this group. So, yeah, that's it's been a minute, dude. Mm-hmm. It's been a minute since we've and seen there's, that, really. I mean, gosh, I would you put quarterback in this scenario as well? Or it's a whole group, but the other guys hopefully aren't even going to see the field in a mm-hmm. meaningful moment. So, I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like you could almost expand this out a little bit. Yeah. I want to respond to something here real quick. Oh, oh. Um, guys, when, when you don't agree with someone they're saying that doesn't make you more objective. It just means you have a difference of opinion. So Andrew Gilmore said, I'm the biggest indie fan in the world, but I can be objective. The Ohio state wide receiver room is probably the best in the country. RCBs are really good, but not the best. Number one, that's debatable, okay, whether they're the best or not. Number two, it's not like we haven't seen this story before. We saw what this, these receivers did against Notre Dame last year. Mm-hmm. He had one big play from a Mecca on a play that, that Cam Hart under, uh, undercut the route inappropriately, and he got turned into a catch-and-run touchdown. Benjamin Morrison was lights out in that game last year. Even before Jackson Smith the Jigma got hurt, Tariq Bracey was eating his lunch in that game. Mm-hmm. And Marvin, Marvin and Cam had some very good battles. He had a PI and some forced incompletion. So let's not act like Notre Dame's cornerback room wasn't outstanding last year, all year, especially late in the year when Benjamin Morrison really got comfortable. So to act as if it's your objective – uh, and and the people that don't agree with you are not. See, that's what that's my issue is. You're implying that you're the biggest fan in the world, but you can be objective. Meaning the people that don't agree with you are not being objective. So if I think Notre Dame has the best cornerback tandem in the country, and I don't know that I would say that, I think they're in the conversation. Then you're objective, and I'm not. I, I think that's an inappropriate way to have the conversation. To be honest with you, Andrew. Well, Especially since we've seen them go against each other before. Right. The Ohio State fans say, well, that was Marvin Harrison's first real game as a starter. Uh, number one, you guys told us all offseason he was better than Jackson Smith and Jigba. So don't, don't even come at me with that, okay? Number two, that was Benjamin Morrison's first game ever. 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 And, and he played a lot in that game. Right. So, you know, I just could, – could Ohio State's receivers outplay Notre Dame? Sure, they could. Could Notre Dame's corners outplay – Ohio State, sure they could. That happens. Like we talked about how Ohio State's corners just shut down Clemson in 2019 playoff game. Well, they might have played a week later and the story would have been reversed. That's just kind of how football goes sometimes. Right. But to act as if the the previous question was just out of bounds because you're you're putting Notre Dame's receiving core on the same level as Notre Dame's or as Ohio State's Notre Dame's corner group on the same level as Ohio State's. I think that's that's unfair. Let's also not forget that when USC beat Notre, Notre Dame last year, they didn't exactly light the world on fire throwing the football. Correct. They Caleb Williams only passed for 232 yards, guys. Part of that was because the pressure was getting to him, and, and he didn't have a lot of open guys. And some of the completions they had were on crazy scrambles where they had to cover for six seconds. Yep. Right? And that's just, that's just going to kind of happen. So – you know, let, let's not act like he just went out there and lit the world on fire. I mean, that was his third lowest output of the season. And and then one of the other outputs was low because I mean, they played some two pretty good defenses, but you held the Heisman Trophy winner to his third lowest passing output of the season and tied for his lowest touchdown performance of the season without two of your starting DBs, corners, you didn't have Tariq Bracey or Cam Hart. That's pretty flipping good. And then you look at what, what happened with Clemson when they tried to go against this corner group. So let's not act like they didn't go against some great receiving cores last year and not only hold their own in those in, in those games, some of them, they won those battles, right? I mean, they, they outplayed North Carolina's receivers in that game. North Carolina had two big plays in the second half when the game was over. 
They had the 80-yard touchdown pass against Clarence Lewis, and then they had that blown coverage with like 30 seconds left in the game at the end to really pad their stats. I mean, North Carolina finished with a good amount of numbers in that game. I'm trying to find it because uh, they gave up actually a lot of yards at the end of the game. They gave up 367 total in that game. Notre Dame did defensively. Over, over half that, because I remember we talked about this after the game, Vince, over half that came in the last quarter right when the game was already <laughs> over you know so so you played you played cj stroud caleb williams and drake may last year notre dame did and yet you still had a pass defense that was one of the better units in the country last season and and they finished 23rd they held their opponents to less than 200 yards passing last year despite playing caleb williams drake may and CJ Stroud, three guys that at some point in time during the season were considered either Heisman favorites or Heisman contenders. And you more than held your own against those units. You also played a, a, a you know, Sarah, you know, Clemson that couldn't do anything against Notre Dame. What is Boston College last year had one of the best receivers in the country in Zay Flowers last season. He was coming off of a game at NC State where he had seven catches for 130 yards, two touchdowns, and a road win at ranked NC State. And he had three catches for 46 yards against Notre Dame. That's it. So Notre Dame played some dudes last year and held them in check for the most part. Play here, play there, but they also made their fair share of play. So I think it's very unfair to say that because you don't agree, and, and, and Andrew, you could end up being right. You could end up being Notre Dame's corners are going to get outclassed that game. You could end up being right in how the game plays out. But to act as if you're the only objective one in the conversation because you don't think Notre Dame's corners belong in there, my question would be, based on what? What's the evidence of this? Because here's what I know. I've made this point before. You stack up the numbers for Cam Hart and Benjamin Morrison against any cornerback duo in the country, and they are either better or just as good. And I've done this statistical analysis. It's facts. And when you consider the quality of the competition the Notre played last year in the past game, it puts even more on that, Vince. Mm -hmm. So, yes, Ohio State is not probably the best receiving core in the country. It is the best receiving core in the country. That's not a debate for me. But to act as if Notre Dame's corners don't belong in that conversation to get to the question that was previously asked, I think that's unfair. I think that's an unfair comment. And, yeah, I, I think they belong in that conversation. Now the court thing is, Vince, now you got to go play like it. Of course. In that game. you got to go play like it. The premise of the previous question wasn't that Notre Dame has the best cornerback tandem in the country. Yeah. That wasn't even the premise of the question. It said elite versus elite. Right. And I I absolutely I will absolutely say that Notre Dame has elite corners. I, I didn't I'm not saying they're the best. Because you're in the top five. Right. If you're one of the That's five elite. best in college football, you absolutely have, have a, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you've got people ranking Notre Dame secondary six best in the country coming back next year. They're because not of the that because of the safeties. Right. That's because nice. of the corner. Like, right. Look, we're super high on Xavier Watts, but that's because we've seen him and we know National who he is. Don't, don't really know who the heck Xavier Watts is. Exactly. Right. So they're not yeah. ranking the secondary sixth because of what Xavier Watts can right. be. Okay. Right. If they knew who Xavier Watts was, that ranking would go up. In my opinion, well, if they knew who he was, but had the same opinion we had, I mean, they, they, you know, they may look at his film and not understand this is a kid that has never played a full season at safety, and you know those type of things. So, I mean, it, it's it's I'm it's I'm it's fair for the national media to not know who Xavier Watts is. Absolutely, I'm, I'm okay oh, absolutely. That. I'm not knocking national media. Yeah, we know him because of what we do every right, day. We follow the team, exactly. Right, exactly. exactly. So and they, and they don't ask our opinion very often. Yeah, and now now the thing, as you said, Vince, it's it's let's go play, let's go play that way. Yeah, is going to be the challenge to the Notre Dame players. Got to back now, it up. You'll play that well. They got to right? back it up, and that happens sometimes. I mean, the 2017 Notre Dame offensive line was special. They didn't play like that against Miami. They didn't right. play bad, but they didn't play like that against Miami. No, it happens. Ohio State's receiving core is pretty good, best in the country. You could argue it's best in the country last year too. They don't always play like it. You're going to have those games. It's part of the game. It's part of football. Sure. Just got to make sure that they don't happen in the biggest moments. That's going to be a big key. Absolutely.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.